Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallant. A team of computer scientists has come up with a dramatically faster algorithm for one of the oldest problems in computer science, maximum flow. That's next. Explore science mysteries in the Quanta book, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire, published by the MIT Press. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore. The maximum flow problem asks how much material can flow through a network from a source to a destination if the links in the network have capacity limits. Daniel Spielman is a mathematics and computer science professor at Yale University. It's absurdly fast. I mean, it's nearly linear time. There was no good reason to believe we could do that. Like, there had been a lot of advances made in the last 15 years in the running times of this algorithm, and we seem to be stuck at a particular running time. And I was actually inclined to believe that was an actual limit, like that we weren't going to do better. So I turned to believing that algorithms this good for this problem did not exist. To me, it's really exciting to see it. Maximum flow has been studied since the 1950s when it was formulated to study the Soviet railway system. Edith Cohen is with Google Research in Mountain View, California. This is an extremely basic problem on graphs. It had been around much more than many things. It's older than maybe the theory of computer science in some sense. The problem has many applications. Internet data flow, airline scheduling, and even matching job applicants to open positions. The new paper handles both maximum flow and a more general version of the problem in which you also want to minimize costs. Over the years, these two problems have inspired many of the biggest advances in algorithmic techniques. Here's Spielman again. The problems that it is giving faster algorithms for, like max flow and min cost flow, have been some of the most studied algorithmic problems. They're almost why we have a field of algorithms. The new algorithm solves these two problems in almost linear time. That means the algorithm's runtime is roughly proportional to the amount of time it takes to write down the details of the network in the first place. No other algorithm for these problems comes close to running this fast for all possible networks. Like I jump up and down, literally. It's amazing. That's Satish Rao of the University of California, Berkeley. I've been focused on this particular problem for a long time. This problem is extremely important because it sort of has all the aspects of algorithm design in computer science. It framed and helped develop a lot of ideas, I believe, in optimization. For now, it's primarily a theoretical advance, since the speed improvements kick in only for networks that are far larger than the ones we encounter in the real world. Maximum flow problems can already be solved fairly quickly for our real-world needs. Richard Peng of the University of Waterloo in Canada is one of the new algorithm's six creators. He predicts pieces of the algorithm might see practical use within a year. And researchers say in the coming years, computer scientists will likely find ways to make it more practical and perhaps even slightly faster.
Alexander Madry of MIT says even if improvements do come along, this new paper is a slam dunk or major milestone. He says it's essentially the best possible. Richard Peng says so many computer scientists have studied maximum flow that conference talks about past work look like the credits after a movie. But most people date the first formal algorithm to 1956, when Lester Ford and Delbert Fulkerson solved maximum flow using what's called a greedy approach. At every step, their algorithm uses the objects that come most easily to hand. To understand this approach, imagine a network of highways on which you'd like to send as many delivery trucks as possible from Los Angeles to New York City in a given amount of time. Ford and Fulkerson's algorithm starts by choosing one path from LA to New York and routing as many trucks along it as possible. This typically won't take advantage of the full capacity of all the roads on that particular path. If one segment of your path is a five-lane highway, but it leads to a two-lane bridge, you can launch only two trucks at any moment. Next, the algorithm revises the capacities of these segments to reflect that you've now used some of their capacity. It subtracts the number of trucks you sent from the capacities of the segments. So the five-lane highway now only has a capacity of three, and the two-lane bridge has a capacity of zero. At the same time, the algorithm adds two to the capacities of these highways in the reverse direction, so we can undo some of this flow later if we wish. The algorithm then finds a new path from LA to New York that has room for some trucks, sends as many trucks along it as possible, and updates capacities again. After a finite number of these steps, there will be no path from LA to New York that can accept any more trucks. And then we're done. We just combine all the flows we've constructed, and we have the maximum possible flow through the network. Ford and Fulkerson's algorithm doesn't try to make smart choices along the way. If it chooses a path that cuts off other useful routes, that's just a problem it deals with later. In the decades that followed the algorithm's publication, researchers tried to speed up the runtime by having the algorithm make more judicious choices, such as always using the shortest available path or the one with the most available capacity. In 1970, Yifum Dinitz found an efficient way to use all the shortest paths in the network in a single step. This created an algorithm whose runtime in networks with low capacities was shown by Shimon Evan and Robert Tarjan to be a multiple of m to the power of 1.5, where m is the number of links in the network. Almost 30 years later, Rao and Andrew Goldberg, who's now at Amazon, produced similar results for networks with high capacities. But no one could beat the 1.5 exponent. Sushant Sachdeva of the University of Toronto is one of the new paper's authors. So coming into the 2000s, by now, Goldberg, Rao, and this end to the 1.5 barrier was sort of entrenched in some sense. To make progress, computer scientists would have to take an entirely different approach. So far, all these algorithms employed combinatorial approaches, which look for some type of structure at each step and use that structure to update the flow. But in 2003, 
Spielman and Shanghua Teng of the University of Southern California opened the door to a radically different optimization approach in which you use techniques from calculus to guide you toward an optimal solution. Spielman and Tang developed a fast optimization algorithm that solves not the maximum flow problem, but the closely related problem of finding the lowest energy electrical flow through a network of wires that each have a given resistance. Here's Sachdeva again. What many of us now recognize as a key movement is a very influential paper by Spielman and Tang. It was actually not directly related to max flow. But their key idea was that some flow problems can actually be thought of in a non-combinatorial but contiguous way. So, so far, everything that people have thought of, they were thinking of paths, they were thinking of flows. All of this thinking was very discrete, thinking of paths, collection of paths, thinking of how graphs change. But the Spielman and Tang work really brought together views from continuous optimization and bringing that perspective onto flow problems. Researchers soon started exploring how to apply this advance to the maximum flow problem. The idea is to imagine our highway network as a network of wires and to turn up the resistance on the highways that don't have much available capacity. This discourages electrons from running through them. Because of Spielman and Tang, we can quickly calculate the flow of electricity through these wires, and it will have the rough attributes of the maximum flow of vehicles through the highways. They won't be exactly the same, since the electrical flow problem doesn't feature any hard limits on the capacities of the wires. Then, having produced this initial flow, you can readjust the capacities just as in the combinatorial algorithms like Ford and Fulkerson's. Next, you reset the resistance of each wire to reflect these changed capacities and solve this new electrical problem, and so on. The combinatorial approaches change one chunk of the network at a time. But Spielman and Tang's optimization approach takes in the entire sweep of the network at once. That makes each step more powerful, so you need fewer total steps to reach the maximum. In 2008, Samuel Deitch of Google and Spielman used this approach to essentially match the previous bound of m to the 1.5 for maximum flow. Then in 2013, Madri pushed the approach further to break through the 1.5 barrier for low-capacity networks, speeding up the runtime to a multiple of about m to the 1.43. And that's a big one. That was a shocker. You remember UC Berkeley's Satish Rao. Over the following years, researchers extended this approach even further, but they got stuck at m to the 1.33. They started to wonder if this exponent was a fundamental limit. The fastest conceivable runtime for a maximum flow algorithm would just be a multiple of m, since it takes some multiple of m steps just to write down a network. This is referred to as linear time. But to many researchers, such a blazingly fast algorithm seemed unthinkable. But the authors of the new paper felt there was more juice to squeeze out of Deitch and Spielman's approach. Madri had used it to reduce the number of steps needed to solve a maximum flow problem, but that reduction came at a price. At each step, the entire network had to be rewritten and its electrical flow solved from scratch. 
This method treated Spielman and Tang's algorithm as a black box. It didn't matter what the algorithm was doing internally. The six researchers decided instead to dig into the guts of the algorithm and tailor its various components to the maximum flow problem. These components, they suspected, might even allow them to solve the harder minimum cost problem. That's when you're looking for the cheapest way to root a given amount of material. Computer scientists have long known that any minimum cost algorithm can solve the maximum flow problem as well. As with other optimization approaches, the researchers came up with a notion of the energy of a flow, a function that considers the links, costs, and capacities. Shifting flow from an expensive, low-capacity link to a cheap, high-capacity link lowers the total energy of the system. To figure out how to quickly move a flow toward a low-energy state, the researchers merged this optimization approach with the older combinatorial viewpoint. The latter, which changes only part of the network at a time, offers the potential of reusing some of your work from previous steps. At each step, the algorithm looks for a cycle, a path that starts and ends at the same point, that can reduce energy. The basic idea is simple. Imagine that you've created a flow that routes trucks from Chicago to New York along a toll road, but then you discover there's a cheaper freeway available. Adding the cycle that starts in New York, runs to Chicago along the expensive road, and comes back along the cheaper route effectively undoes the expensive path and replaces it with the cheaper one. This reduces the total cost of the flow. Valerie King of the University of Victoria in Canada says this approach uses many more steps than the electrical approach. So at first glance, it sounds like regressing. So they're sort of regressing in some respect, and they've changed the measure of what the min cost ratio problem was measuring. So they've changed that problem a bit. They've increased the number of iterations, but they found a way to make the iterations go faster. To compensate, at each step, the algorithm must find a good cycle incredibly quickly, faster than it takes just to inspect the entire network. That's where the inner workings of Spielman and Tang's algorithm come in. Their algorithm provides a novel way to use a low-stretch spanning tree, a sort of internal backbone that captures many of the network's most salient features. Given such a tree, there's always at least one good cycle you can build by adding a single link from outside the tree. So having a low-stretch spanning tree drastically reduces the number of cycles you need to consider. Even then, for the algorithm to run quickly, the team couldn't afford to build a brand new spanning tree at every step. Instead, they had to ensure that each new cycle caused only minor ripple effects in the spanning trees so they could reuse most of their previous computations. Yang Lu, a graduate student at Stanford University and one of the paper's authors, says achieving this level of control was the core difficulty. Eventually, the researchers created an algorithm that runs in almost linear time, meaning that as you look at larger and larger networks, its runtime approaches some multiple of m. Here's Madri. This paper is definitely to the force. The algorithm uses many ideas from Spielman and Tang's work, but it puts them together into something completely new. 
Spielman says looking at the algorithm is a bit like being a time traveler. The way I've described it is sort of like I'm from the 1800s and I've seen a horse-drawn carriage and I'm describing to you a car. Like, you know, I recognize their car. I see it's got a place to sit. I see it's got wheels. I see it's got something that makes it move. Um, But they've replaced the horse with an engine. So it's got like a similar shape, but it's really working differently. The team's analysis is long and complicated. But Satish Rao predicts other researchers will soon dive in to simplify things. My feeling is that this would all be made cleaner and better over the next few years. But they're showing you can do it, right? And it's remarkable. Once the algorithm is streamlined, Spielman says computer scientists will likely start using it as a subroutine in algorithms solving different problems. If you suddenly say, yeah, we have a nearly linear time algorithm for it, then you think, okay, well, now that I know I can do that quickly, how can I use it to do other things quickly? And that's sort of what I expect will be the outcome here. That now that we know we can do this really quickly, people will find all sorts of applications for it that they just weren't thinking of before. The dizzying speed up to the maximum flow problem has Spielman wondering about the future. I mean, it makes me wonder, like, if all these other things we try to make algorithms for, if if we had a big enough community putting in enough time, what else could we do? (laughs) It's probably time to start going over some other classic problems and algorithms. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Erica Clarike's full article, Researchers Achieve Absurdly Fast Algorithm for Network Flow, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Quanta Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. <laughs> <laughs>